just as a recap, to, we will just skip back just a little bit earlier to Ruth receiving several text message text messages from one of the owners of Monsieur Andrews's after letting them know that there had been an incident earlier. At which point, Ruth's phone starts ringing. And Ruth had answered it, walked away from Dice a little to have some notion of privacy while still keeping an eye on the person. And uh, the person on the other end of the phone had been Kenneth, Mm -hmm. who is one of the owners. Yeah. Who, as a result, asked what happened and whether you were okay. And Which Ruth you confirmed. Had, yep, Ruth had summarized the same situation as had been given in the text, had felt a feeling in his chest that wasn't painful, and said that he was fine. Indeed. But Kenneth does assure you that you don't need to continue staying to clean up, that you can head back home and he and Edna will come back to work early in the next morning and hopefully talk to the police and sort something out. But in the midst of that conversation, you can get a sense in the background that uh, Edna and Kenneth are whispering about the fact that they do not think that the police will be very helpful. But by the time that you realize that that conversation is happening, they've already hung up on you. Um, And now it's just the four of you and Dice again in the vicinity of this place. What are your plans now? Well, Ruth immediately is just going to make sure the messes are localized, so at least all the glasses in one spot, and all of the the chair debris is in one spot, and all that kind of thing. I'm assuming the other three are already in the truck. He kicks dice out rather than shows them out, but before they actually get into the truck, he basically tells dice like just on this side of I'm extremely tired do not test me to not do anything funny and then they all go into the truck (laughs) dice does not reply you still get the impression that he is smirking at you but you don't look to see so who's driving and where are you going I think Vic is driving and are we going to still go to the kebab place Okay. After so. driving Nina's truck? Nina and? is freaking out about this. Nina is in the front passenger seat, oh. muttering to herself the entire time about liability and insurance and praying that they do not get pulled over. Because if they do, Nina is going to climb into Vic's lap and shove them into the passenger seat. <laughs> oh, God. Get, get a couple of winks if you can. If you can. So that we can talk. Nina is staring fixedly at the front windshield. Have you eaten? What? Did you have dinner? Dinner. 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 I had two energy drinks and a protein bar. And two energy drinks. Ruth, I said any, that. Do you have snacks on you? Possibly? Dice um, in the back of the truck is <laughs> she like, checks her I eat stuff. terribly and even I know that's not food. <laughs> Who? What? Ruth. Ruth Who's snaps back at him. There? Ruth snaps at him. Shut the fuck up. And then pulls two black sesame croissants out of the front of his work apron and gives them to Nina. Oh, Ruth. Do you know you're my favorite? Cat's my best friend, but you're my favorite. 
How dark is it inside this truck? I imagine quite dark. You don't see him blush. The end. <laughs> favorite too, Vic. You're all my favorite. But this is food. Food. And you all continue out of this part of town as you head towards a a section of your one of your regular uh, hangout uh, spots uh, in this area that you typically don't go to very often. Just lower down the street from most of the like bars and other like uh, street food stands that you typically check out is a place called Crossroads Kebab. Because they're made of meat. Yeah, their their tagline is in fact um they're made of meat. Their tagline is they're made of meat because someone once actively challenged them on the fact that they actually sell real flesh and they thought that they needed to prove it and that this would be sufficient proof. Mind you, it is actually like it's it's good safe real meat, but they picked the worst possible way to remind people of that fact. But yeah, this place is typically open until like 11.30 or later. The two like 20-something chefs there are just a little bit away from being total, totally terrible representatives of their brand. Like, they're not very pleasant to talk to. But at least every once in a while they don't talk, and that means that you never have to deal with them. So you can just you can just order your food and never have to think about them again. So if you wanted kebabs, if you wanted falafel, if you wanted gyro, you can you can get all of those things there. Their drink selection is kind of bad. You can get homemade pure orange juice or one kind of beer, and that's it. But other than that, this is a good place if you just wanted to get something solid in you before going out to drink etc and people don't re- regularly frequent it because why do you go to a kebab place with the tagline they're made of meat so you all go there uh hang out relax for a little bit dice is, shover- is shoving like entire meatballs of uh beef into his face and for a brief moment you are all no longer surrounded by all of the drama that has just previously taken place. And we briefly fade from that point into downtime things. So I'm going to say for the sake of smooth downtime that this is all taking place sometime after all of the events that have just taken place. That... Any, at any point in time from the morning afterward and beyond, you can all probably establish what downtime actions you need to take, including but not limited to if you take any moments to interact with each other and uh, share an intimate moment. So I will start then with Kat. What's the first thing that you would like to do after some time has passed since all of this mess? Hmm. I think Kat is going to text Ruth to ask what he did with that smoke bomb. I was still thinking about the kebabs because my immediate response was I ate it. But uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Brandon, just to clarify, Kat put the vase over the smoke bomb. Vase mm-hmm. did a lot of shape changing. Then 
the people vanished, and I'm assuming that, much like the first time it happened, the smoke bomb underneath the vase also vanished. So when Ruth gingerly cracked up the end, bottom end of the vase, there wasn't anything under there? Mm-mm. This time, however, there is an empty canister. The smoke bomb did have time to deploy fully and like, fully empty. So you can have, you, you, you at this point in this timeline have evidence that the thing did in fact happen and is still there. Okay. And obviously have no recollection of that ever not being the case because mm-hmm. you were never in that, in a universe where it wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. Okay. In that case, what Ruth will text Cat is that he looked under the vase. The vase contained a cat, uh, like a smoke bomb canister that was empty. And because Vic has experience with these kinds of things, they gave it to Vic to take apart or try to track or something of the sort because Vic is a revolutionary in their other secret life. <laughs> okay, well, like, just as long as we didn't leave it for someone else to clean up. <laughs> yeah. Ruth's emotional response is, are you kidding me? <laughs> because they do know how to handle things, thank you. But at the but over text, he just types, because it's cat, correct. Capital C, period. <laughs> oh no, a period. Oh, he, he types very grammatically correctly, because... He uses a brick phone, is not in with the kids. It is not an indicator of tone. It is just a period. (laughs) Yeah. Barely understands what emojis are. But yes. In that case, Kat would have to text Vic to ask after the investigation of the husk of this smoke bomb. Because it was behaving like a dream thing. Yeah. I'm happy to hand over the investigate the smoke bomb action to cat if that's something that's something you want to pursue i will say hand of god that both vic and cat have things that they can learn from this smoke bomb but once you learn one thing you'll have to wait to learn the other hmm in that case i think i'm going to leave it for vic because the things cat could learn from it are metaphysical woo-woo things most likely yes lots of dream things to be gleaned i have other things i can learn dream shit from So let's let Vic deal with the physical threat. Okay. Vic, would you like to do that now? And then we can turn back to everyone else? Sure thing. I want to take this uh, smoke bomb to one of my other contacts in the anti-authoritarian revolutionary group that Vic is a part of. And basically try to call in a favor with that person to have them do some kind of forensic analysis. Like, okay, compared to what the cops use, what, you know, this corporation securities uh, use, what is this? And so I'm going to roll express as a kind of convince a person to do a thing. Okay. Before we get into the condition, the, the qualities of that express role. Uh, tell me more about this contact. Yeah, so maybe this is where we bring in love. Aha! Uh-huh. Because Vic, uh, Vic doesn't know that love is uh, is, a, uh, is potentially a suspect. Vic just knows love as somebody who kind of does does stuff in this revolutionary group. 
So I'm going to go to the Notion, and because it's been a little while since I looked at this character. So Love is a, by by day does um, graphic design, but I think is also like very interested in like medium and materials. And so that's, uh, that is why he's also able to do some like analysis in this kind of a position because he is an AR graffiti artist, which is how he got looped in with the revolution. Nice. Um, and love is like a mid thirties cis man in our world. He'd be Latino. Mm-hmm. Give me your express rule. Uh, I already know to play out how the rest of the scene goes, but the, the quality of information needs to be determined. So your position is desperate. Even as a downtime action? Oh, right. No, yeah. No, yeah. Um, in fact, a part of me reads the way that this is portrayed a certain way that belies a certain kind of difficulty. But as GM, I'm going to say, nah, we're just going to do a fortune roll. Mm-hmm. Um, so how many dots do you have in Express? I have Just two in Express. Right, so please roll 2d6 for me. Okay, that's a 5 and a 1. So on a 4-5 for Investigate, I would add 3 ticks to the track. Right, yes. This is a 4-tick clock. Investigation is its own track. Oh, right, yes. Again, uh, so many things have been, ha- have been happening tonight that I'm very dazed. I, um, but yes, right, cool. So, very briefly, a scene for you to learn a thing about this smoke bomb. Love sends you a message asking you to meet at Crow's Bookstore in a half an hour. This is like, maybe like 10, 11 a.m. on this day. You know that this bookstore is the bookstore where... You typically have your underground meetings. You know that it's very risky for you or your fellow revolutionaries to gather there in the day during work hours because the owners of this place are quite uh, old. They can't afford to get a lot of heat attached to them in the middle of the day and it would be particularly sticky to have certain kinds of engagements that early as a result. So you know that if love has asked you to meet, it's probably kind of serious. Vic would would suggest, hey, uh, to to keep it to keep opsec up. Oh, do you like meet out front and then walk down to get some coffee? And basically, subtly saying, do we want to kind of drop back to a secondary location? Love messages back. We can do what we need to do in the bookshelves. I'll be as brief as possible, but I need to show you some things. Vic has not had a sufficient conversation about OPSEC with Love. But yeah, they'll go. <laughs> love is unique. They're perfectly aware of certain standard op- uh, operating procedure, but are very fond of performing spycraft. You get the impression that this is just... Something Love saw in a movie and thinks this is how spies actually engage. When you get to Crow's bookstore, you see Love in, like, a white button-up shirt and khakis, standing up next to the romance shelf of the bookstore and reading Slaughterhouse-Five, which is 
from a bookshelf you know that is several shelves away from this location and seems very obviously conspicuous. But yeah, he just has it in front of his face. Vic walks down the aisle that would put one shelf between the two of them and just kind of stops a couple of feet short of love and starts scanning the shelves and says, all right, what'd you got? Love doesn't look up from the book. The shelf that the shelf that you're looking at at this point is self-help and love goes good. You're in the right place. Open rich dad, poor dad. And they do. You see several close-up photographs of a cross-section of the inside of this smoke grenade. And you notice that it has certain embossings on it. Oh, yeah? And while you're looking at it, at things that you recognize as old, like, pre-rebranding Dreamshine technology insignia are embossed into the steel of this canister. When when was that brand refresh? That brand refresh, like, the logo that you're seeing right now hasn't been used for over four or five years. Okay, so it's not even a recent brand refresh, really. Yeah. That's, so this is, huh. Um, This looks like a little bit of an older edition. I don't remember if there if there's been one since then. Does yours uh, does yours have a forward? Love goes. I'm typically not fond of collections like those, but interestingly enough, in an older introduction, I heard that these aren't produced by local companies. That they just have a partnership with some. Which I thought was particularly interesting. I figured there would be something that you'd be into. Also, I think you've stumbled upon a rare copy, in fact. Obviously, the author doesn't get involved in those kinds of things, right? Uh, you know this you know this as a hint that previous conversations you've had with other fellows have come up to the edge of a conspiracy that Dreamshine actually trades in arms, hmm. but have never been able to prove it because Rustam Demir is actually squeaky, key, squeaky clean in terms of over-the-counter business dealings. So this may be the first time you have ever stumbled upon evidence that Dreamshine perhaps directly engages in any kinds of arms, any kind of arms manufacturing or sale. So Vic says. Oh, that's very interesting. I'll have to bring that up next time uh, Next time we're at Book Club. Yeah, I think it would be a very fascinating read. Unfortunately, a couple of the usual crew wouldn't be able to make it this weekend. Turns out that this was a very difficult copy to get a hold of. You know that to mean somebody probably is either laying low or has been arrested. Finding out more information about this, about this kind of stuff. Well, that's that's a shame. Please, uh, please pass on my best wishes. And of course, if anybody needs uh, help with errands or anything, um, they should just let me know. Yeah, definitely. But I'm sure they'll be with us very soon. A couple of us are making sure that they feel better as soon as they can. And that's when love shifts the book just a little bit away from his face so he can wink at you. And then he goes... I found some 
other like interesting stuff written in, written in the margins of that one as well. I wanted to know if you could tell me any more about that special ink that uh, we found inside. It seems to have some like mixed media uh, qualities, like um, some other company was experimenting with like augmented reality, uh, like interactive fiction. There is a pause, and then Love moves the book away from his face again and goes, okay, I have no idea what that means now. No, it's, it's what I said. They're, you heard about the eye, right? Yeah, goes back to reading. I think it's not the only way that they're trying to get at people in different angles. If you're about to tell me some chemtrails bullshit, I'm gonna leave. No, but I think we should we should be taking and kind of Vic like straightens and picks up another book. I think we should be taking this printer very seriously. The publishing agreements that they have, the distribution that they're doing, it's really making some making some waves. Okay. Well, I'll keep my eye out if I find any more interesting copies from that printer then. Until then, and they hand you like $80 in fives and go, that copy's on me. And then they close their book and they leave. So I will, I will buy the book that was recommended to strengthen the cover and head out. And then in the most secure fashion that Vic can, relay that information to the rest of the group. This this was made by Dreamshine several years ago. We had suspected that they were in they, they were involved involved in arms manufacturing previously. This is probably the strongest evidence that, so far. And then to the Dream Knights, I don't I didn't get anything more about like how it does the dream stuff. And then that's that's all for me for downtime. At which point then I will return to Cat. What downtime action would you like to pursue at this point in time? Hum, 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 hum. Let's see. You have both two of your actions. Yes, I see that. I think we are going to have to... Wait, Brandon, the cards got weird, but do I still have them? Oh, no, yeah, you still have them. Okay. In fact, this is the point at which we should ask a question about the second card. Did we ever qualify what that second card was? The card that you had stored? The second one. Yes, I believe we did. And it is in these notes here somewhere. I know you told me what it was. Oh, Focus the business eye. card and, and the dreaming cards. The reverie cards are different. Mm-hmm. The focused eye. Thank you. Right. Okay. So... You have two cards in your possession at this moment. You have the focused eye, uh, which is presently in its normal base state. You have another card that you had previously, so much previously that it has been stored there since before the events of the series. But looking at it now, you realize it doesn't look like any other card that you have previously received. And that when it's, that's when it dawned on you, hmm... Is the deck doing a thing again? Did I just get a new card? 
You still can't make out what it is, though. It still looks entirely translucent at this point in time. It feels like a card this time. It doesn't feel like cotton candy. Mm-hmm. But... Oh, thank um, goodness. Right now, it seems like it is... You can still make out that it is a card from the Deck of Reveries, but it looks like it is producing light from somewhere within it that makes it absolutely difficult to tell any distinguishing features about it. It looks like it's just capturing light from somewhere internally and just blasting it back at you like a prism. You know that you can focus and find out, but it will take a lot of dream effort that you are not in the mood to deal with at the moment. I mean, no, I am not in the mood to deal with it, but I... And I only have one dot in analyze, but if I keep putting this off, it's probably going to bite us in the long run. So even though this is going to suck, and even though I'm going to be super tired afterwards and desperately in need of a meal, we're going to do the thing. Although, before we do the thing, Cat mm-hmm. actually just like opens up the little delivery app on her phone and she gets some takeaway and she schedules the delivery time for like three hours from now. In three hours, a pizza will arrive to save her because she knows that when she is done with this, she is going to be too tired to try to like solve the problem of food on her own. This is her gift to future cat. Mm-hmm. Time okay. travel. It works both ways. <laughs> Which is if a thing. you think about it, we are yeah. always time traveling. I just get a couple more directions than everyone else. This is an acknowledgement that only you have ever made, but it is a useful acknowledgement to have made. Right, so I would like you to give me a perceive, analyze, or express rule. Let's go with analyze. <laughs> a thing uh, in which I have dots. Okay. Your position is desperate. And your effect is standard. Rolling 1d6. That is a 5, and I am now marking my desperate XP. Uh Although, like, Brandon, I will admit, being told to roll desperate for the act of looking at a card is definitely setting off some mental alarm bells. (laughs) I mean, yeah. You're engaging with like a physical manifestation of dream magic. If this if this were to go poorly, it would go poorly in a way that would have real world effects that you would never be able to describe to your neighbors. But so you Oh, I don't like that laugh. You uh stare at this card for a good long period of time. Until like you know when you look at a thing for so long that the thing that you are looking at stops having meaning or form and just kind of becomes like an abstract construct in your brain? Mm-hmm. And then you just kind of have to blink and look at it again for you to realize that it was a thing? This, like, you are staring at this for so long it just kind of turns into a piece of, a piece of glass in your hand. And then you come to very briefly and then you realize that you're holding... An ordinary card from the Deck of Reveries this time. Black face, gold inlay. But it seems even more foil than before this time. And just a little bit heavier. A part of you even feels in this moment like this card has suddenly decided that it's gold inlay. It's actual warm gold. And you are holding a card that reads Abduction. 
the tech, the image of the card is literally a moonlit street where a man is being held at both arms by two other men, all of their faces obscured by the night. Abduction very often means exactly what it says it means. It's about being removed from the position that you want to be in and being placed in an unhealthy or dangerous position by others. Very often, whenever this card comes up, it is exactly what it says on the tin. A thing is about to happen. You look at the card just a little bit longer, though, and you start realizing that this otherwise outlined gold drawing on this card is slowly starting to gain color. And that's when you notice that even though you still can't see anyone's face and it's still night and their backs are still turned to you, you are noticing things that you recognize about the figure in the middle of what is now becoming a photograph. You also notice that that figure is not male. She's wearing clothes that you have seen someone wear before. And then you glance at it again, and you realize, wait, no, this figure is not the figure in the center. It's all of the figures. All of them are this exact same woman wearing the exact same clothes. Oh, I don't like this at all. There is not a lot to like, to be clear. (laughs) But I can't tell who the woman is. Give me a one die fortune roll. Two. It's on the tip of your tongue. You feel like you saw someone wear this clothes. You saw like you feel like you we- saw someone wear these clothes just a couple of days ago. Might have been someone who dropped food off for you. Might be something that you recall from one of the dreams that you previously had. Could even be someone from Somnio. You don't know. Mm-hmm. You don't know, and for that additional context, however, you, you briefly pause to realize it's not the outfit that someone wore while working. It was probably so, it could have been something that someone came in for work, or a client's outfit, or somebody that you saw on the street on the way there. Yeah, doesn't okay. particularly solidify in your brain at that moment. Okay, does it still count as part of the same action if I flip the cards over to examine the backs? Yeah, I would just give you that. Okay. I am going to actually just let myself go full magic eye postcard mode on them. (laughs) You turn over the card, and it is pure black this time. I think that does... Like most things that happen with these cards, I think that does not usually happen. At least sometimes the card gives you something. But this time, it gives you absolutely nothing. And as you focus just a little bit more on it, you feel as if... You are seeing not a pure black face of a card, but as if you are peering into a dark room. As you continue staring, you feel as if you are, even though you are still perfectly still, as if you are walking slowly into this room, waiting for your eyes to acclimate to this dark so you can make something out in it. And you start to make something out start to make out the figure of someone. Someone else that you recognize. You can tell that they're not the same person. This person is a much bigger, much more buff, has hair that you vaguely recognize, that seems, like, very intensely colored. 
And as you start, re- as you start looking more closely, you realize you're looking at Euphony, and they're saying something to you, but you're not making it out. And as you walk closer, you can hear Euphony murmuring to you. And then, as you start getting close enough that you can see the colors change in Euphony's hair, um, and you can make out all of the details of their face, you can hear Euphony say, just softly enough that you can hear it absolutely legibly, you work in a dangerous place, do you know that? And then you immediately snap out of it. And when you look at the card again, you're seeing the normal you're you're seeing the normal back of the deck of reveries. Kat goes and like kind of curls up in her armchair with a glass of water and waits for her pizza. To hell with all of this. Oh my god. Yeah? Your pizza is on its way. Elsewhere in Port Harbor, a man is burdened with dozens of pizza deliveries all at once. And is, like, mildly, like, shocked by the fact that, like, he's been given specifically of the myriad orders that he now has to deliver in the four corners of Cloud Harbor. That this one was made three hours ago? How does someone know that they're specifically going to be hungry at 4 p.m.? Alright. Cool. Also, Cat um, will text Nina and say, I ordered the pizza if you want to come over. Ooh, so that means that we cut to Nina then. Um, Nina excitedly gets text and immediately goes over. <laughs> Nina loves pizza. pizza and Cat. <laughs> so now you are both over at Cat's apartment. Go, you like to do? Time for a downtime action. Social link. Da-na-na-na. And so we are going to do the the thing that is the best thing in life. We are going to take off our bras and we are going to watch a really cool martial arts movie. Any yes. pizza? Mm-hmm. Perfect. Uh-huh. God, I literally saw this wonderful gif that I now imagine is this movie. I can't remember the name of the movie anymore, but the scene is literally... It's, just, it's one of those movies... Officer, oh, good. A police officer tears a, 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 a slit in her office uniform so she can essentially kick a thief until he becomes unconscious it was the best scene in my uh, that i've ever seen all week um so i imagine that's the movie that you're watching yes exactly that kind of movie where it's like just some lady who gets pushed to the edge and then has to just kick her way through life it's the citadel dlc opening where it's like oh no Somebody's attacking her and she falls through the glass roof of a sushi restaurant and then she has to just fight her way through a hundred bad guys in high heels and a dress. Yeah, pretty much. Given the work experiences that you have both had recently, how does this feel? What, what specific catharsis are you getting in this moment watching this? I mean, we just saw a guy take a stiletto right up the nose, and there's something just deeply, viscerally satisfying about that. Yeah, I feel like this is either an empathizer express role in, in <laughs> which we either highly empathize with the heroine in terms of wanting to kick a lot of people in the face, or we are expressing our frustration at not being able to kick a lot of people in the face. I would say on a creative level, deeply connecting to someone else's performance is an act of expression. So I think that's the role. 
Okay. And is this something that Kat enjoys doing? And if so, I get a bonus. Oh, time. deeply. <laughs> All right, here we go. And roll 2d6. I forgot how to label them, so sorry. That's a six and a two. Nice. Um, so if, not, if I'm not mistaken, that's three links? Yep, three links. Yep. I'm trying and to is pizza. it three or four? No, it's three. Four? It says oh I'm sorry, the document I have says three. It's that one of the things that changed. I remember yeah, okay. that I remember that things have increased. So right. It should be four. And if I'm not mistaken, um, that means that Kat now gets to decide how to divide those. Half and half. And I will also note that because Kat has uh, been through this timeline, something that is just lurking in the back of her mind that she is not voicing yet, as she watches this action star just put a stiletto up a guy's nose, is wonder if Ruth could teach me how to do that. Because Kat is technically in possession of the knowledge of, of Ruth's fighting. It is theoretically possible. Ah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep the thought that I just had for later. In fact, I'm sorry that I said that aloud. But uh, while all of that is happening, since you have all uh, just shared that intimate moment, and I love that this intimate moment had just the interaction of the movie itself, we will cut very briefly to Ruth. Do you still have a downtime action? I have both. Nice. What would you like to do? Well, the first thing I'd like to do is, at some point, to text Vic. And it just says, we need to talk. Capital W, period. The response is, when and where? See, this is why Ruth isn't disgusted with Vic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Things just happen. All the yeah. time. Yep. Let's see. Would Ruth and Vic have established a place where they meet up? Because season one, they didn't really mesh at all. Like, Ruth was basically the fourth wheel, the fifth wheel to the entire group, just, like, standing in the background like Moses in The Prince of Egypt when the plagues are going on, and every time Ramses looks over, he's just there. That was Ruth in season one. Would, maybe, would Ruth suggest one of the, like, roadside um, shrines that he made? No, because those would be pretty temporary, because they are basically roadkill. But um, I think, if anything, Ruth would suggest Mazir and Roses just because they both know where it is. Sure. Um, yeah. It's easy to get to, um, that kind of thing. That works for me. Okay, so Ruth sends a time and a day when Vic can get there and Ruth is not on shift. Yeah, and when Vic arrives, has Vic's favorite lavender latte waiting for them. When in doing world building, we figured out what the characters, uh, Mishra and Rose's drink and food orders were. <laughs> At which point we also learned that Monsieur has an astounding menu. But yeah, it really does. Um, so yeah, we like grab a like a corner booth or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, they sit down, and Ruth is squared up the way he is usually squared up when talking to anybody. But the moment Vic sits down and they've exchanged pleasantries, 
Ruth says, I need to say thank you. You're welcome for whatever it was. I'm curious what it was. This, what Ruth says next is going to depend on how Cat and Dice first reacted when they both realized the other person was in the same space. Does that mean it's flashback o'clock? It is flashback o'clock, not rewind o'clock. Don't get excited now, you. Oh, God. Okay. Oh, dear. I think, yeah, we're going to have to be very, very clear about the difference between flashback and rewind in the future, aren't we? (laughs) It's my job to tell the difference. All you'll have to do is use words, but yes. So, yes, we flash back to... Back at Monsieur surrounding the fight, I presume. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess like later when we were all oh. talking with each other, because everybody else would be fine, Ruth would not be fine. Ruth would be basically an emotional shutdown, just not speaking pretty much through whatever discussion we decide to flash back through. Mm-hmm. But Ruth basically isn't saying anything for the entire time, and the entire time is just laser-focused on Dice. Like, he is just waiting for him to give him a reason. Mm-hmm. So you are at Crossroads Kebab, then. You are staring daggers at Dice. Isn't saying anything, but is still being annoying. Uh, he's actually smirking at you the entire time, while, like, shoveling meat into his face. You can't tell if he's pleased by food or pleased by the fact that you're staring at him. Ruth doesn't care right now. Ruth is just filled with a lot of very bad emotions. (laughs) I will also say, just as an idle piece of information, because you have your eyes on dice the entire time, you can't miss this. Which is, every once in a while, it does seem like he does like break eye contact to look away from all of you. And you're the only person who can pick up as a result that you get the sneaking suspicion that he is worried that you are all still being observed or followed. What is Dice wearing today? (laughs) Um, Don't hurt me, Brandon. (laughs) Oh, God. Dice is not showing off today. It's just like a very old t-shirt and very new jeans. He just looks like he was... Out running an errand. It is neither particularly flashy nor particularly odd. It's just clothes. (laughs) In a lot of ways, that's the weird thing for you, Ruth. That even when uh, he is out, he did not decide to wear, like, something to obviously draw people's attention to him. He he tends to, like, wear, like, unnecessarily expensive fashion designed specifically to show off exactly how well-built he is. But now it's just a shirt and jeans. And in the dream, he was also wearing the weird military uniform, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, uh, he changed through a lot of outfits, too. <laughs> that did, in fact, happen, yes. Such a showboat. <laughs> and since Kat is still in her work clothes and so forth, he's noticed by now? There is this brief moment while, like, food is still, like, falling into his, like, unclosed mouth. Where he, like, briefly turns to you, kind of totally nonchalantly, just says, By the way, Charlotte, I didn't know you hung out with these people. And is, like, picking meat out of his teeth with a toothpick. 
How do you know Ruth? Cat is so tempted in this moment <laughs> <laughs> to say that Ruth is her favorite customer. But I she mean- knows <laughs> that if she does, Ruth will just spontaneously combust. Yeah, he would. <laughs> and it would be worth it if Ruth hadn't already been having such a bad night. <laughs> There's a bruise forming along his jaw on the side of his face that hasn't been sliced up. <laughs> so Kat just says, these people are my favorite people. I can't believe you know them. You say that like I can't be cool. I can be cool. I'm surprised that someone as cool as you hangs out with... I, he glances at Ruth and then glances away. Anyway. Okay, first of all, how dare you? He decorated my apartment for me. <laughs> In the middle of putting, like, three falafels at once into his mouth, he turns to Ruth and goes, Really? Well, all my plants. Remember when I showed you? It was the photo of that trellis? The new trellis that I was using to do the climbing roses on the veranda? Mm-hmm, Ruth mm-hmm. built that. Well, it looks really cool. That's really, that's really dope. Ruth, that's, that's really cool. I didn't know you did that kind of stuff. That's, that's kind of neat. And hopefully Ruth is now, oh, nothing. Okay, he's not following me everywhere then. <laughs> Ruth because is like... <laughs> Quick if Dice was really ta- tailing Ruth, Dice would know these things. <laughs> Ruth is only slightly mollified, but now he is increasingly disturbed in other ways. <laughs> and then Cat like, gestures with her fork at Dice and goes, This look works for you. You know, I feel like I see you in suits basically all the time. Because you're basically always working. I mean, suits are nice. You know? I mean, I like doing a professional thing because it means I get to look good, but sometimes I just want to be out of the house and whatever. So, is that why you were hooked up with those weird toy soldiers? Because you like the aesthetic? Um, We're going there! (laughs) (laughs) There is this this moment that Dice, like, looks at you with, like, this kind of weird kind of worry on his face and then goes, Right, there were four of you. That's how you got... Right, Cat, right. Like, gathers her hair back and holds it up into a bun for a second and goes, Does this help? <laughs> ah, as I was telling your friends, I'm sorry about that. You should be. You really, really should be. Like, puts the food down, like, actually pushes the food away from him. Goes, I'd be lying if I said that the person in the dream wasn't me. It had to be. It, it's a part of me that I liked. But if I knew that it was doing any of the things that I've just found out that it does, I wouldn't have. And I'm sorry that it had to involve you all. I know that doesn't help anything, and I'll understand if that means that you won't call me for work or stuff anymore because that dream was a lot but yeah I'm I'm sorry that that happened I'm sorry that I did that to you and that entire time Ruth you noticed that 
uh, Dice's like glancing between Cat and you, as if still trying to get some modicum of approval from you as well. He's not gonna get it. <laughs> yeah, he knows, but he's still trying. Okay, so I think at this point, the thank you then would entail Vic briefly holding Ruth back from being really, really mean in the first conversation, and also probably the two times. So, one, when Dice did this, Ruth would have stood up and gone to stand outside, and then the second time would have been when they parted, Ruth would have exchanged words with Dice that were not very nice and very, very barbed, and very indicative of the relationship between them and their history. And I think at least one of those times Vic would have gone out to be like, hey Ruth, you're kind of flying off the handle again, maybe don't do that. <laughs> we can hear you. So flashing back to Monsieur and Roses, Ruth would say as if he's crowbarring out rusty nails from a really, really, really messed up piece of wood that he's saying thank you because he needed to hear what Vic had to say. And Dice is from a very specific part of their life. And when they saw Dice out of that specific part of their life, they shut down. And that is in part why, when we were in the dream and Calendron was on stage, that Deed had to step in and take the initiative because Ruth couldn't do anything. And so, on top of saying thank you, he wants to apologize for putting Deed in that position and you in that position. The implication from the way Ruth says, and you in that position, indicates that even though they haven't spoken that much, that Ruth has definitely picked up on the fact that Vic is not on the best terms with Deed in terms of ideological intensity and purity and where those things necessarily go. Deed is like a Storm the Barricades kind of revolutionary, and Vic is like a more the make uplifting and agitprop memes and like exchange veiled messages in uh, bookstore stacks kind of revolutionary. So that's it gets a little tricky. And so like Vic is kind of nodding throughout through everything that Ruth says and says, Turns out I know Dice from another part of my life, too. He, uh... You, you don't... <laughs> you've never seen Ruth turn this color before. But... His, for a brief moment, he looks physically jaundiced because all the blood has gone out of his face. <laughs> all that cocksure energy is really handy in a crisis. He went a little bit far one time. One with, time? With me. 
on a thing we were doing. And so I started looking into it. And that's how I was able to, to get there that time at Monster and Roses when the, uh, when the mask faces showed up. Right now he's, he's our best lead. And so we need to, this is, this is bigger than all of us, right? It's bigger than any one of our own anything. My baggage, anybody's baggage. And so we can't untangle and heal everything all at once. And I know that we haven't always gotten on in the best terms. But if pushing back in situations like that is what you want, I will keep doing it for sure. Because I think it's what needs to happen. And it will be good for all of us eventually. You don't have to be wound up so tight every single moment. We're here for you too. I'm not wound up. Uh, so now would you like to roll for uh, sharing an intimate moment, uh, Ruth? Well, yes. I, I'm sure sharing in the moment. So take that bonus. <laughs> okay. What would you consider this role to be, Brandon? I think that this role is an express role. Express role. Okay. Also... You have a series ability that may be useful here in particular. Yes. If I'm not mistaken. Uh, it is, if, you're, uh, if your social link activity includes sharing your secrets or inner pains, clear two stress and your ally marks one stress. They ask you one question from their gather info list. Oh, no. Of course, this is worthy of negotiation because obviously if Vic doesn't want to or feel value in learning a thing, then we can forego the thing entirely. But do you all think that this applies here? I think so. Um, it's not necessarily a secret because Ruth is not revealing anything that hasn't already happened or been overheard. But it's definitely an inner pain because now Vic knows that something bad has happened between Ruth and Dice to the point that when Ruth sees Dice not expecting them, they block up, not able to do anything. I have a question in mind. Do you want to do your role first? Uh, yes. Uh, so that is, I did get, I'm an idiot. (laughs) Um, I get a plus one D and I have the one dice in express. So that is rolling two D six. That's a two and a six. Um, so that's four, uh, social links. Which Mm -hmm. means that Vic gets to determine how those are split. Um, mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. Vic will do two and two. And the question that I have for Ruth is, how can I help Ruth? Are you asking me that out loud? <laughs> Gather information in this way is very much a kind of the um, the character's <laughs> intuition. Yeah. Like, so you are allowed to answer this question out of character, but this okay. is just a realization that Vic is having about how they can be most helpful to you in moments like this yeah i feel like in in this kind of situation especially the gather info questions feel like they operate like the read a read a person read a situation moves in apocalypse Mm -hmm. world where we do step out of character um if -hmm. that works yep so your question is how can vic help ruth i think vic's revolutionary feelings reach out into the squiggly space between them and Vic intuits with their tragic genius heart 
that how they could help is to get Dice to actually apologize. So yeah, like the, we have that exchange, and I think the the last thing that that Vic leaves Ruth with is the conspiracy is tricking everybody in every way that it can, and we're all kind of flying without a map here. So I think it's going to be easier for us to forgive people who got wrapped up in things without knowing that they were hurting people if we give each other some slack. And I'm going to make I'm going to try to talk to Dice and make sure that he offers a proper apology to everybody for what he's done knowing that every person we can pull out of the conspiracy's grasp and re-enmesh in a community that can support them is another arrow, arrow in the quiver that we're going to use against that fucking conspiracy before it breaks the world. How's that sound? Sounds like deed. We don't always disagree. D doesn't care about the people as much as I do. Ruth inhales and sighs heavily and just slides a packet of lovingly packaged lavender and sea salt macarons, which are not on the menu whatsoever. So this meant he stress-baked them at some point in the night over to Vic. Wait, and as in as in Monsieur doesn't make macarons, it doesn't make this flavor. <laughs> doesn't make this flavor. <laughs> okay, cool, cool, cool. Um says Calendron didn't need the conspiracy to be the way he is. And scene! (laughs) Very good. The theme music for Speculate is Yellow Wood by Greg's band The Road. Find out more at www.thebandtheroad.com Hi everyone. If you've enjoyed what we've been doing here on Speculate and you've been thinking to yourself, where can I get more role-playing in my life? Can I recommend arvanelleron.com, A-R-V-A-N-E-L-E-R-O-N.com, where you can check out the Curse of Strahd podcast. This, set in the world of Ravenloft, is a Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition campaign, which has been running for a long time with a similar group of players, and which has been both a lot of fun and I think you will find enjoyable. If you like it, please let us know both there and over here. You can subscribe to it on iTunes, Google Play Podcasts, and many other fine podcast providers. Thanks, and we'll see you over there.